0: It is Sunday, January 17, 2021. And if you're wondering why this all sounds so dramatic, it's because you're hearing our latest instrument. It's called Symphonic Elements Strings. And it is a huge hit. Released in December, it broke all our records, got stunning feedback and critique in the media, and it's just damn good for making dramatic sounds. So I thought that's how we start today. In today's podcast, we will mainly talk to the musical director and general sound genius behind Symphonic Element Strings. His name is Boris Alcho. But before we go there, I just wanted to quickly give you an update on uh yeah, the year 2020, which, while challenging in many regards, was quite a successful year for UGEM, and that's mainly because of you. You, the people who buy and use our instruments and make music with them. And yeah, we wanted to say thank you. It's been quite the right last year. And if you've been following a little bit, you uh, have heard about our Music is Medicine campaign, which we started half a year ago in the middle of 2020 with all that madness going on. And there we pledged to collect some money for charity and uh, donate it to Human Rights Watch. And I'm very happy to announce that we will donate €2,020 to Human Rights Watch. Quick reminder on Human Rights Watch, it's a globally operating NGO and non-governmental organization that investigates and reports on abuses happening in all corners of the world. They partner with organizations large and small across the globe to protect embattled activists and to help hold abusers to account and bring justice to victims so music is medicine was quite successful last year we're going to continue we're really looking forward to hear more of your stories about how music is medicine to you so it's time to introduce my guest He is a German-born composer who worked in film, game and commercial soundtracks. He's basically touched upon every aspect of the music industry and he's a pleasure to talk to. So, hello Boris. Wolfie. Good afternoon, good evening. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, good morning. Yes, where do I catch you today?
1: You're catching me at 9.25, day before Christmas in Los Angeles.
0: In Los Angeles. Where exactly in Los Angeles?
1: In uh, Laurel Canyon, home to many musicians and composers uh, in the Hollywood Hills.
0: And how's the weather in uh, in Laurel Canyon in LA right now?
1: Mm, Cold today, but... I'm happy to hear that sitting in northern Germany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But I saw already a tiny little bit of blue coming through, so there's a chance we're going to catch up.
0: Oh ah, yeah, very good. So you moved so you're originally from Germany. Where where in Germany? Uh
1: Hamburg. Hamburg. Hamburg, meine Perle. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, when did you move to uh, LA? Feels like yesterday, but it was uh 2005. So that's uh, 15 years ago if I do if I have the math.
0: So are are you by now more German or more American or somewhere lost in translation?
1: I think I'm lost in translation. I'm both. Uh, some, yeah, sometimes I'm both. Sometimes I'm. I feels like I'm located somewhere around Iceland. <laughs>
0: <laughs> in a hot, in a hot, uh, uh, in a hot well. In a hot or, tub. In a hot tub. Yeah, in Iceland. Okay. <laughs> so, like, uh, but seriously, are there things that you observe in yourself that are typically German, or things that you would say are um, kind of imprinted from? Living in the U.S. for uh, one and a half decades.
1: Yeah, I think at this point it's a it's become a a mix of both. Um, I'm definitely very. I don't know if I'm how German I am, but I, I feel very European. Let's put it that way. So what um, what made you move to L.A. from Hamburg in Germany? I was already a film composer, TV and film composer in Germany, and then. Uh, As a film composer, Los Angeles is always on your radar, obviously, because it's the kind of the capital of the entertainment world. Um, But in the end, I needed two things. I needed that, and then I met my future wife, who at that point lived in San Francisco and uh, spent a couple of years figuring out the exact plan. But at some point, we made it happen, and combined those two things and now I'm in Los Angeles with my wife uh-huh. writing music for film and TV. Oh, yeah. How cool is that? <laughs>
0: Very cool. And so you said that you're in Laurel Canyon, which has a history of music and musicians. I'm super intrigued by that. So I read up a little bit and um, saw that it was the home to you know, icons like uh, Frank Zappa, Jim Morrison, uh, Carol King at some point. So, uh, do you know or what's your take on how Laurel Canyon came, you know, music central, so to speak, or musicians' home central, I
1: should say. I actually don't need, know the reason why it happened. I, I can guess, but it might be better might be better to read up on that. But my guess would be that it's beautiful. It's green. You're you're actually very close to. To uh, well, the civilization takes me sixty seconds, and I'm on Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles. But I myself look out of the window, and everything is green, and have oak trees in the backyard. I mean, that's a that's a perfect situation. I assume uh, that back then, at least, it was also probably affordable to live here. That's usually where artists, <laughs> yes. musicians, hang out. Yeah. That has changed a little bit. Um, but yeah it's 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 a very inspiring place i mean it's yeah it's it's green and lush. you can go for hikes, you know, just walk out of your door and and you have like amazing views of the city paired with uh, trees and coyotes and hawks and squirrels who are the real rulers of this area? No one talks about that, but the squirrels are the the ones that own this place, that own the place, that run there, yeah, yeah, yeah. that run the yeah, yeah. place. We're 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 all just temporarily allowed to stick around, but it's really their their habitat here.
0: <laughs> and and I wonder whether it had anything to do with with um, with the studios. So of course nowadays technology has you know um, replaced I guess a lot of recording studios in a way because studios have become more personalized, uh, mm-hmm. more more private. Um, but how how is that for you? Do you still uh, work in studios in in LA? Do you work in your own at home?
1: Is it a mixed bag? It's a it's a mixed bag, yeah. But I think, like many composers around the world, the the working from home uh, has been going on for a long time already, way before Corona. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So just because technology, the, the the music technology has changed so much. For me, to be honest, in the last yeah fifteen years um, or ten years, actually, I I moved my studio home when I. When I had a kid and I just thought it's a good idea to spend dinner with the family and I I moved my studio home Um, and I go, uh, yeah really it's if if when you're recording orchestra then you go somewhere where you can fit a whole orchestra Mm -hmm. in there which is usually not your home Mm -hmm. and um Then for solo instrumentalists, that also has changed. I think like 10 years ago, a lot of times you would either rent a studio to record a guitar or clarinet or whatever you need, uh, or they would come to the composer's studio. But now in the last five, six years, and especially this year, uh, I think most of them set up a recording situation at their place too. So did COVID um, change much for you? in the way you work it's funny because to me personally because a i'm a composer that worked from home already but also i work um for clients in the u.s but also in germany uh, so i've been pretty much work from home already and to mm-hmm. me it feels like the world has uh, Oh, come closer uh-huh. <laughs> to, to me. There is oh, well. Let's talk about let's talk about strings. <laughs> the the plugin I made with yeah. with U-Gem, Um because that was in the making for a couple of years. And the first years, very often, it felt like okay, I'm the I'm the satellite guy here in the US who is on on Zoom or whatever we used in. 2019, I think, Mm -hmm. was it Skype or FaceTime (laughs) or so? And everyone else was sitting in in a meeting room in in Bremen. So, and I was always the satellite guy, and then there were all these people in one actual room. And that has totally changed. To me now, everyone, like everyone who who participated in, in this project, for example, everyone sits in front of a camera as well. To me, it feels like the world has become more more of our normal uh-huh. <laughs> and so closer. everyone's on a satellite now everyone is on a satellite we went through a f- few months of everyone disclosing what their kitchen table looks like i think they became <laughs> now or more professional and use background images or put a cloth uh-huh. <laughs> so,
0: and so has it has it been um, a challenge to um, work across the pond and across time zones, or how how did that work? Because
1: uh, for a year, or better part of a year, you weren't able to travel to Germany, I guess. Same thing again. I think the world was already moving towards that uh, situation that that everything is, if possible, uh, taking place virtually. Actually, as far back as 2005, when I moved here, um, I... I remember I moved to Los Angeles I didn't know anyone and I was um, sitting in my tiny rental apartment and then a first job happened like a commercial job I don't even know maybe half a year after moving here and I was so thrilled not only to you know to have a project going on but also to now meet people and work with people and see them and and Turned out I lived in Hollywood at that time and the the company uh, I did the work for was in Santa Monica which is like a a 10 miles, so whatever that is, 16 kilometers uh, distance and guess what? Everything already happened via emails and and uh-huh. FTP back then. It was a huge disappointment for me. I was I was asking. I'm like, don't you want me to? Come? I can I can swing by, no problem. They're like, no, no, it's okay. Just send it over. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, and that is 15 years ago. So I th- I th- I think you know this is a is a is a global trend already, and of course, Corona massively accelerated that. Mm-hmm but it's it's not a complete surprise so 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 it didn't really disrupt your work on strings no and strings not at all because i was already geographically removed i Mm. think uh i i i think i flew to bremen twice i think because of the because of the software but in in the end i mean this is this is half music production and have software and both especially software from what i hear is is you know completely assimilated within no time the work from home situation and it's really easy i mean yes the the time difference um is always a factor but i was already used to that and Uh. the truth is yes this summer uh, because of strings. And then there was another project that I cannot talk about, but it was also a project where the client sits in Germany. Um, and then there was a third one. So I basically every morning at usually 7.30, I was sitting in front of a camera and having a Zoom session that, you know, sometimes it's a little rough and you need an extra coffee in the morning, but you, you make it work. By, by the way, uh, the quick
0: quick check, because for me, I can tell you that. So, I, you know, I went back between Germany and the US a lot, also spent time working in the US. And yeah. I always found being in Germany at, at a little bit of an advantage because you're awake first. So, yes. So, yes. whenever I'm in, working in the US, I feel like I, I'm at a disadvantage because the moment I open my eyes, you know, I know there's already some people nine hours ahead, and they've basically is, been up to a lot yes. of things already. And as soon as yes. you know, then I turn can on be my phone, nerve yes. yes, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I say for depending you, depending on how the project is going, I did also <laughs> a few big film projects, and depending how the project is going, it's it's it can be a very intimidating moment to to in the morning turn on your. Your phone, or computer, and check emails because yeah, you have an accumulation of <laughs> of, of many hours. But you know, everything is yin yang. The the big <laughs> advantage that I have this way is that um, I know that if I get up early, the American clients are not yet up, and at some point, uh, even the the night owls in Germany turn off their computers and. Uh-huh. No one will call me from that part of the world after, whatever, 2 p.m. So over you here. you get your focus time. I get my focus time, right? exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So I, I actually, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about strings. Um, mm-hmm. Because you just said, um, you know, you said something like... I hear that making software is so-and-so, so it's um, from that it gets clear that you're not the one writing or coding the software. But what is right. actually your role in strings? Because it is very special and very different from other Ugem products so far. Um, and for example, it's different because it actually bears your name on it. So it's uh, Boris Seichow's uh, symphonic elements, strings. So yeah, tell us a little bit about your I role. Have to think about so, who, that a little more. for us, <laughs> <No. laughs> So what does the, like if he doesn't code? What what does he do actually? What is, was his role in the creation, or what was your role
1: in the creation of strings? I think that role actually uh, morphed a little bit as we were working on it, um, because in in the end, I think in in, in the big in the beginning, I would call it like a, a musical director or so of, of, of this p- product. Uh, so my role initially was, hey, write a few awesome but also kind of um, Hollywood standard phrases. Then write those phrases and go to the amazing studio of the amazing Hans Zimmer and use his amazing library. <laughs> mm-hmm to make these really sound good and then we package all of that into a software so that that was already huge and well we just had a, a lot of fun but it was also a complex task um i think what then also happened with strings um that strings morphed into something that is more than just a phrase player mm-hmm. Right. So it's yes, you can use it in the typical way that you use these other awesome UGM instruments, like like the virtual guitarists or, or bassist, where you say, Hey, I want something in the kind of this or that and you choose it and then you get something in the style of um, of something that you know. Uh, and but with strings I think we, we have that. You have all like amazing string patterns that that do a familiar and awesome thing that strings do by, you know, bringing epicness uh, right. to to anyone's composition. But then we took it a step further and created new sounds with it, new sonic experiences, if, if you will. And that's a little bit different. It's also a leap of faith, I guess, for Ugem, although Ugem really started that with, with your amazing finisher products too, that you created something that that is new right so people mm-hmm. can create something that you have not heard before and become creative with it and now Eugen basically did that same with strings where you can uh, use the 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 underlying fabric of this amazing string samples um to create what what is it we did we created atmospheres and patterns and pads and Gritty stuff, distorted stuff and flinched stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> out of it and um to me personally, this was fantastic because it also it 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 happened after we basically f- finished the first part, which is creating these phrases and putting them into that software, making that work, which was hard enough to do
0: mm-hmm. and, and then yeah it, and, so so it almost yeah feels like it's uh, one product that is two
1: products. Which I is, uh, think so, yeah. yes. Although, yeah, it's two pro- products, but it's also, I mean, we live in a time where everyone is messing with sounds. So, to just have the pure um, string player... Um, would be fine, but if you listen to it doesn't matter, it could be pop productions, EDM productions, or film scores. Um I hear and I use myself um a lot of string sounds or any sounds to be honest, um that 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 we mess with, right? That we that we alter. Like in a subtle way mm-hmm. or in a not so subtle way. But but I hear that a lot. And for me that's also the to me personally that is um uh, my favorite part almost I, I like messing with with sounds um and also it might be almost a little technical but when i'm uh in my in my own typical composer template or working with uh, sometimes I, I do a lot of work with a uh with remote control with with Hans Zimmer and Lorne Barofs music company when we're using the the actual samples over there it's great to have these gigantic templates but it's not so easy to mess with them just due to the nature of how how all these satellite computers are wired into each other um but i love doing that and uh with with strings uh we we um we, i spent weeks if not months doing exactly that so using these amazing sounds and then you know taking them to the stratosphere
0: uh-huh so as a musical director in strings you from what i'm hearing is you um, wrote the phrases you you know composed phrases you actually went to Hans Zimmer's studio and recorded mm-hmm. them with uh, mm-hmm. with his samples uh, and then you created an entire sound design layer on top, based mostly on um, UGEM finisher algorithms. So is that, yes, that is, is that, the that, short does version. Does that sum it up? <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> that is the short version. Yeah, the The, the truth is the, the ori- original compositions, and and yeah, I call it compositions. It's patterns, but it was uh, usually a set of patterns, patterns. Um, that that uh, became uh, compositions they became the granular material that we created many many more patterns and compositions out of that mm-hmm. first and also by the way those original compositions and phrases were not just strings so there were also percussion and synthesizers inv- involved yeah so they might be you know more <laughs> more, I, I don't want to uh, spoil anything, but... But there's a hypothetical potential. Yeah, exactly. Or more exactly. of
0: Boris Selsho's Symphonic yeah. Elements titles coming out. Right.
1: That's exciting. Yeah, but back to your question, it went through a few different um, stages. There were the original phrases. The original phrases then um, were were separated into into very tiny granular... Elements And from these granular elements, elements, we were able to create many, many more phrases and Mm -hmm. composition. And all of that then um, entered that second or third stage even, uh, where we would start uh, the sound design process on top of it. Mm -hmm.
0: So I wonder, so this was a multi-year project. So what was Mm -hmm. the thing that was, and I guess it's the first um, plugin that you've worked on. Is that true?
1: the first major one the I did, first major uh, one yeah. yes earlier earlier this year actually i i was involved in a or someone um, made a beautiful little uh, plugin called canvas using some of my very sound designy ambient music mm-hmm. uh sounds but um it's uh, this one is a whole different beast uh uh-huh.
0: so what was the most surprising thing that Happened along the way, you know. Was there something that was completely different from what you expected?
1: Many things, <laughs> many <laughs> things. If I, if I'm honest, I had no idea that how the, 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 how complex it is on the on the sample organization side to create a phrase player that is able to to uh, to play so many different chords right it's it's not just that you can play everything in a different route Mm -hmm. Um, you can actually at any major minor suspended chords and so on you can play with them not all chords but many many different ones and i think one of the which, which was always an issue with any kind of Sequenced phrase player instruments out there that a lot of them uh, allow you to switch from D to G or so, but they are if if you know if they're using thirds in there, um, someone decided okay we're gonna make this a minor thing, and you can actually not really use it for a piece where where you modulate, mm-hmm. right? Because you're suddenly stuck with with you know the, the the samples that they're using that it's a minor chord and that's it. Mm-hmm and And we're doing this differently. Um, you can you know switch th- between all kinds of chords, but um I understand now how complex that is. plus, under the hood, it's not just you know one track playing. we actually have like eight tracks playing at once, so and managing all of that um, on the technical side also, um, I didn't expect it to be. To be almost like rocket science, but it turned out to be.
0: Mm-hmm. And how about the recording process at Hans Zimmer's uh, remote control studios? Um, what what happened there?
1: It's so the re- the recording, the arranging, that all well, it was complex as well, but it it kind of kind of went as as planned. The only thing that <laughs> that did not go as planned was uh, the amount of data. I uh-huh. remember, us like so, so the, the yeah, the, the composing and everything. That's, I mean, that's that's what I do, um, and that I think we, we hit all the deadlines and so on. But uh, I think handling the the amount of data, the copying of of those hard drives. Those were suddenly we're talking days of you know. A, a day to copy that hard drive and then another day to copy that hard drive Th- those <laughs> that that's, was already that's some hint, slow hinting. hard drives you guys were using. yeah <laughs> they were not
0: <laughs> <laughs> So the days of copying data that sounds exciting not
1: yeah sitting sitting there at, at Hans in that in that room. I mean I worked I don't even know anymore, but it was probably I don't know 12, 14 hour days every every day. No break, as it is customary in the in the movie score business. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no one, no one noticed because it was probably <laughs> what well, they didn't know that at the end of those fourteen-hour days, I had to go to my studio and deal with some of my other clients, but I didn't tell anyone.
0: So I, I heard, uh, I just watched an excerpt from a twitch live stream by daniel james uh, another Mm -hmm. la-based game and film composer Mm -hmm. um, with british roots i think Uh, and he said something really interesting he said "Um, you know this tool at first might look like it's only for um, amateurs or beginners, but it is actually for everyone because he says you can either amend your recordings with it Mm -hmm. or you can use it to do outlines. What is it in your mind? Is it more a tool for making outlines and sketches or is it more a tool for amending your recordings with strings? Is it both? Which one is it more? What what did you have in mind?
1: I think it does both, if not three different things i mean it's it's as we said earlier it, ha- it has so many different sides to it right one one is it's super fast to um to pull up a preset with a natural sounding uh, string string phrase and start playing and it's it yeah it's, it's a great sketching tool but it's also a great you know if, if you're in a, in a time crunch and you 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 need quick string accompaniment, so to speak, um, then this is a great tool. But because it has this other side, the sound design side to it, to me, I'm, I'm starting to use this now as a um, for, for pads and brams and, and all those things as well. So I think so things that are not obviously
0: uh, no. string sounds, but based on strings, yeah?
1: exactly. Um, and even and and it's even creating some sounds that are well. Here, let me give you I can, since I have it open here. Um, yeah, let's right hear. Here, we, let's we, hear some. Yeah, exactly. So it has it has a couple of different sides to it. So one one is uh, let's see if this is working. Right. So this is the this is the the the. Clean, clear, like string patterns that you can, you know, now play in all kinds of chords. Right. So this is the, the you're super fast if you already have a playback in in place. You just add this and you you have uh, some 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 grandness. <laughs> uh-huh. You can. Um, there's not much you can you know and in, in this natural s- setting you probably might play with a room a little bit and make it drier or or wetter or so um, but then when you let me look when you are oh, here So this is all the stuff that you can use for sketching. But then, if we go, I'm just going through the introduction sounds. But then we have like these atmospheres, for example. So it's a completely different sound. I mean, this this you will not use for sketching. This is you will already use for scoring that scene in that like horror movie, uh-huh. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> right. Um, underneath, by the way, with all of these are all the string sounds. So this this one for example uses like a uh, ah, I don't even know where to start because there's so, many, so much good stuff in it. Here you have strings underneath but we're using all kinds of effects. Here's a crazy um, distortion effect on, the, on it called Ripped Apart that is in this finisher section. This has been custom-made only, only for the strings. If I crank it up a little bit. This one for example, this that's this ripped apart it's called a uh, distortion thing but if you peel away all the all the granular harmonic changes another grain effect and another harmonic then you peel away the onion and you hear that underneath this is what's underneath huh it's just <laughs> just some strings playing a every- Slow sustained chord. So I th- to answer that question, I think it's bo- you can find everything in this to, you know, do a quick sketch. Um you even find whole composition. We have this let me see if I find this. We have atmospheres. Oh, then we have the you know like massive sh- Brahms like this, yeah. But I myself I have to say I'm I'm um I'm surprised I did this. Uh, two or three examples with strings mm-hmm. um, to to throw string phrases against uh, EDM and and pop and and rock songs, and I was surprised how fast I was. Mm-hmm. I I thought I would have to be you know looking through presets for them. Granted, I know the software pretty well, but still, once you have the you know the the musical concept down, and you kind of know what you're if you're looking for whatever a pad or or an ostinato or so and you go to that folder. I was very, very surprised how 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 well and how fast you find elements that that fit really all kinds of different genres that I didn't expect
0: and this is actually a question that I had do you have any advice for people that are using i mean you know the thing inside out and you know um, it basically bears your handwriting so if i'm somebody who stumbles into strings now and maybe i only have the 30-day trial um Mm -hmm. but i want to get started with it what what's a good way to approach it is there something that's is there something that you suggest
1: that really depends on who you are you know it's 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 um it would be very different for a film composer than for an EDM producer. Um, but I find very help, helpful. We created this um, preset folder called, called Introduction, which gives you two or three examples of all the different kinds. You know, we have arpeggios and atmospheres and Brahms. Did you know that the Brahms, the, the composer... Uh, Johannes Brahms is actually from my hometown. That's why I find it so amazing that everyone in the last ten years is is uh, paying tribute to him, right? By creating all these Brahms. <laughs> <laughs> so he would probably okay. take credit
0: for it if he could.
1: I think he's probably rolling in his grave. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so anyhow, so the introduction um, folder. I'm just looking at it here. Yeah, atmospheres. Then we have court patterns which would be uh, very classical stuff could almost almost be Brahms um, if, and if you just step through that you get those then we always also have um, contemporary approaches um, you, you will for example you will see for many of the folders like ostinatos or chord patterns you find actually two folders called one called chord riffs, call riffs and then a chord riffs sound design the difference is uh, one um, the one you just heard, for example, sounds like a natural orchestra. And then in this court sound design, you find basically the same fabric under, underneath. But we cre- we applied uh, some like modern effects on it, so it sounds almost natural. But if you if you listen closely, you hear that that on the on the basis, for example, there's a there's even like a a, a gate on it, which you which you don't hear so it's not so present when you hear everything together there's a delay on it so a lot of the folder a lot of times we we offer both like ostinatos for example and then we have ostinatos that are sound designed like 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 something like here Right underneath again, you can. This is another great finisher effect on it moving, moving cloud, which also is so far exclusively for for this. Same thing here. I mean, you you hear, but if you peel away all the effects, the moving cloud, a fuzz, a phaser, a slicer, and a sub octave, then then, uh-huh. then you hear the you know the real strings that, that the lie underneath. Symphonic. exactly so i think it depends on what you are looking for and honestly many music producers might also be looking for different things you know sometimes you'd want to be inspired and start with a with a with a pattern you find here Um, sometimes you have an existing piece of music and you're just looking for for some extras. But I, I definitely encourage everyone to go through through all the photos because they are so different. You heard some of the pads now on the War of the Worlds. But um, this was actually a surprise to me because even though we had a plan <laughs> I didn't know that we would get such beautiful pads. So this is all, all based on On real strings underneath, so you have this organic warmth. Um, so yeah, I encourage everyone to just go go through all the folders one time, <laughs> and then you know. Like.
0: But uh, you, you're saying the introduction, the, the introduction folder is.
1: We'll we'll, we'll like do the, that already. Yeah, exactly. Like we'll, we'll exactly, and we have them. this three-letter. Uh, code or abbreviation at the beginning of each preset name that gives you a hint. You know, aha, uh-huh, this is an arpeggio or a, a MOTS is motifs. So um, those are the ones that have more. You, you 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 almost bought prefab compositions with this one. So okay, can so motif? Yes, I will. Whereas most of the um, patterns and arpeggios using chord. Tones, or even just the root, the the motives. Um, they have little melodies in it, like like let's see. This dun 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 I'm not playing this here with my fingers. That's that's the motive. This is a more modern m- motive. So we separated these into motives because sometimes you. Very often, if you're only looking for some accompaniment for an existing song and you already have melodies and counterpoints, you don't want someone, you know, a, a phrase to to maybe play something else than, than chord tones because this is. This could collide if you already have a melody uh, playing or not. So that's why we, we clearly uh, we put them in this uh, motive category. So if you. But it's a good. Point to start sometimes with, with with those because you can get a feeling for what's possible. Also, I guess, mm. and then oh, what I also love what we what we did. Um, there's this bass function in the C two uh, octave where you can um, determine or, or uh, yeah determine what the what the basses and cello cello are playing. So you can in the right hand, for example, keep this one playing. The bass is changing with the with the left hand and I can play that and the right hand keeps 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 playing what I did back to the one I had before. So the right hand holds the chord. So you can walk down on the left. And that is also that I find an incredible incredibly important tool, especially for strings, because in real life uh, a string arranger would not jump around with phrases of high strings just because the you know chord change, uh-huh. you wouldn't jump up or down uh-huh. a fifth or so. But whenever you can, you you leave things un, unchanged or change as little as possible. And then with the, the bass moving, you can also create pedal tones with this. You know, you can... Uh, let me see if I can do that here. Same thing, I, let's start. say I start in... In G minor. So in the, in the the basses always play the the G, and in the right you can you can you can move around or the other way around, which I did before. I find that very useful.
0: Yeah. So you know you mentioned the use of strings on, you know, more popular music styles, and then, you know, it's clearly also something that's good for a cinematic, um, film uh, scores, um, game soundtracks. And you're somebody who worked both on film scores and on game scores. And I think a question that I wanted to put to you, because I hear that it is um, very interesting... Uh, to people is, um, what's the difference from your perspective between composing for a film and composing for a game, if there is any difference?
1: To me the two big differences are, one is obviously in a movie the timing is fixed, even if if the movie makers are still changing the cut, but the, the sequence of events at some point is set in stone. And um, you can really tailor your music to that exact sequence and length perfectly. And you know what's coming. And you can also, because of that, help with the storytelling because you know whatever the great revelation will come mm-hmm. at that point. We're not there yet. So I'm not, you know, trying to give away something musically. Um, that's that should be part of the storytelling and with video games you don't know how long something will take or the sequence with especially with open world games you don't know anything anymore uh, so that's a huge difference in and another difference that i see but i don't hear people talking about it much is um the the games are always you're always in the in the ego perspective so you're the you're the player and it's uh, you know, when it's intense, you are in that intense situation right now. And in movies, even though you are with a the, with the hero at that moment, um, and you identify with him or her, you can sometimes step back. For me, always a good example is like when, when, when things get really intense and action-y on, on the screen... The, the final final moments of, of of the showdown and the whatever someone is jumping down that <laughs> that skyscraper to save one the in in a movie the music can, can and it's very effective switch back and do like a slow motion approach, right? You go from action, action, action to ba Now he or she becomes like a hero. Oh, look at what what's happening. And you switch down, have some lush, big Chords, and in a game you cannot do that mm-hmm. because in a game you're the the player has the controller in the hand and mm-hmm. sweating <laughs> and squeezing that thing, and you cannot do these moments effectively. That in in the midst of you know when it gets really really you're almost dying and and everything depends on you. You cannot switch the music down to something you know half tempo.
0: Not not during gameplay, right? Maybe in a cut not scene, during gameplay. Yeah?
1: Exactly. The moment you win, then you can uh do that so but that also has implications during you know lots and lots of action time that you i think you do approach them differently in a in a game than you can do in a movie a movie as a a composer a movie you can uh watch a rough cut or read a script Mm -hmm. and you have a pretty good idea pretty fast of, really, the, the of the arc script, of the story of the arc exactly yeah. mm-hmm. and with games very often they are huge and you only see a part of you know, a tiny part that's actually running and everything else is we don't really know yet <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> or you know you get lots and lots of bits and pieces of information but you do not get that cohesive uh, overview as you can with a, with watching a movie rough cut even if the movie is twice as long as it will be in the end you uh-huh. you know you, you still get a good idea about the the arc
0: yeah which is interesting because i think it is actually a challenge with uh, especially as you mentioned open world games uh, mm-hmm. uh, especially with open world games is and I, there are some that i really like and yet from um, storytelling you know and entertainment arc uh, perspective i think that's a big challenge that you know you can also find in the music is yes. that it's hard to tell a compelling story still in something that is so open yes you know and yes so fuzzy uh, in a way yeah, yeah exactly so uh, music actually helps i think with creating at least some mm, cohesiveness, I'd say, or um, yeah. Comfort, yeah. comfort in, you know, recognizing music again. So that's right. something that I found super interesting about game, game Scores.
1: Well, but yeah, but it's a different kind of storytelling. Open world games are different than the campaign modes mm-hmm. of those classic, classic games. And, um, but I absolutely love to have that long arc, of storytelling being accompanied by by the the music in a in a way that it makes sense, and I did that on a on a few games where I, I think I had a reputation at some point with game developers <laughs> that I would just ask questions and more questions because to me, uh, I don't know, I, I I feel safer when I know what all of this is about, right? It needs to make sense, so I love writing music but if i have an idea where i am in the grand scheme of things that helps me a lot and and yeah with open world you you don't really have that
0: so yeah you've been creating music for film and for games um and commercials and commercials
1: yes and all kinds of other stuff too so
0: So what is um, what is some good advice for people who are just starting out and looking for a similar career any good any any good advice for those
1: listening I yeah you have to work really really hard <laughs> Unfortunately I, I yes 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 that's a big yes actually and it's an important one I mean especially here in Los Angeles or so you don't you don't get to enjoy a lot of weekends when when you're when you're on on um in my, in my career, it helped a lot that I'm flexible, so I did movies, video games, commercials, and went through phases. I wish I could tell it was me who who, who decided what to do next, but it was more you know markets fluctuate there were times that I didn't do any jobs for European clients at all. And then suddenly a few years later, it's the opposite. Um, to me, it really helped that I'm always curious about, you know, new stuff to, oh, sure, let's do games or a movie or a 30-second commercial. And then I also like uh, interchanging them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, and there were times where it was a little, it was nuts. I mean, you're working on an orchestral big project and then doing a blues commercial in between. But I, I personally enjoy that. I find it refreshing. Uh, but my point is, um, if you want to do that career and mer- earn money with with making music, you should be very, very flexible and not also also not preoccupied. You know, with what you what you like or or. Uh-huh. Don't. So if you if you if you really only like one kind of music, then it's going to be very rough. Then you should just become you know an artist, create your own style, do your thing, and don't compromise. <laughs> um, if you want to become a composer, no matter what, then then definitely keep your mind open and be curious about new kinds and different kinds of music. That helps a lot.
0: And this is interesting because you're saying, yes, flexibility helped you. So, you know, doing different things. Uh, At the same time, would you say that there is something that is always the same uh, as in, you know, a musical brand, a certain style, a certain idea? Do you know what people call Boris Eichel for?
1: I think think everyone has their own style, even if they don't know it, Mm -hmm. right? Also, if you study really any composer it could be a composer that lived 200 years ago or current film composers or so if you if you that's actually an interesting exercise go go and check out because film composers very often cover different genres right yeah. uh, and it's it's interesting choose choose a composer and 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 look at three four different scores that he or she did that are very in a, in a different genre and you will when you look closely find so many similarities very often I, I find that fascinating and for sure I caught myself many times doing something again and again and then you catch yourself sometimes you think you, you come to the conclusion it's good sometimes you're getting a little scared because you catch yourself re- repeating yourself and then you go and change So it's a it's a also an ongoing um process
0: so to wrap things up and as this is a christmas uh, or a year end episode um i want to look back on the year 2020 a little bit apart and apart from strings so strings is not allowed in the answers yeah <laughs> and apart from COVID, <laughs> COVID is only yeah maybe marginally allowed but if you're looking back so a few quick quick questions so was there a favorite um piece of gear or a software this year
1: that's an interesting question and i am um, i would really have to think about it because i'm right now so the my most my favorite piece of gear is strings right now um or any
0: instrument anything that came back into your life this year like i i played more on the guitar or
1: i did play more piano i i did play a lot more um piano uh, th- this year that is that is true uh-huh. um and ukulele funny enough but not on any (laughs) not on any um i i think i played more there's a couple of apps that i used uh this year that that and it's like four or five different ones i think that that's um that's what i had a lot of fun with i started a new album but i got stuck it'll come out it's it's my quarantine album but i promise it will come out in the next few months um i discovered a few apps that, do, that send MIDI or OSC controllers and, and values and can do crazy patterns, basically like a, a LFO generators. Uh-huh. On your phone or on your iPad? or I, uh, On the iPad, in this uh-huh. case. Actually, sometimes I did two at once, one on the phone and one on the iPad, <laughs> running multiple ones. Do you remember what they're called, the, the apps? I think the one I use the most is called Ribbon, if I remember Ribbon? correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but there are two, three different ones. Um, and I, uh, Lemur and, and Osculator, and so on. All of the, I played a lot with those, basically creating a, like a modular setup in a, in a way, but, but completely software based. Uh-huh. So, and then I use sound generators, uh, some real MOOCs, but also a lot of uh, virtual instruments. And that's what I had a lot of fun with. Okay. But, but that's, that's going to be for my. For my own uh, cr- crazy release, because that's a little too far out for most of the.
0: Maybe some listeners will enjoy it too. We're gonna put links to those apps in the in in the show notes. Another quick one: favorite film
1: or TV show this year? The truth is, 2020. I was really, really worried in the beginning uh, of of like March Pro- and so professionally. on. Professionally. Professionally. Uh-huh. I think it became my busiest year in a long time. So no time to watch TV? I didn't watch a lot of movies. I watched a bunch of TV series, a lot of good stuff. Um, I watched, but now here's the thing: I have an eleven-year-old son, and the last two months I watched for the fir- I binge-watched for the first time all of the old James Bond movies. Excellent, <laughs> it was perfect escapism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the truth is, it wasn't for me. It wasn't a big uh, binge-watching year. Funny enough, it was really every night I went back to work. Ah, it but sounds this boring.
0: Is, this is an interesting question. Then, favorite yeah. James Bond s- uh, soundtrack
1: you know uh, Bond's song yeah Uh-huh. yeah it's because Bond's song is different than soundtrack like I uh, just yeah, in I terms of soundtrack I don't we're, mean we're, we're, the score I mean like the opening yeah. the opening song yeah I'm a big Shirley Bessie fan I have ah, to say but yes. I didn't get to I'm the, the, the newer ones so so I'm, I'm I'm still binging we are uh, at Roger Moore right now uh-huh. so and then the, the newer ones uh, I know that I love the Chris Cornell one and so on but yeah, you know it's gonna take me some time to get to that one
0: uh huh so, Shirley Bessie, so Goldfinger.
1: Or Diamonds Are Forever, yes. For example. Okay. Yeah.
0: I would also, on my top list, would probably be Live and Let Die. Uh, oh, Kani. fantastic. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay, last one for today. Mm-hmm. Favorite new musical artist
1: that you discovered this year? Even though it's not from this year, but, but only now I rediscovered Wano Tricks, if you, if you know him beautiful crazy stuff uh-huh. no. and then um i think his name is bibio i keep saying biblio but i think it's Biblio. he d- he does uh, beautiful it's all you know my 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 input is uh warp records always mm-hmm. they have square pusher has some new stuff is an old favorite of mine but he's also very out there and then there is kelly moran or moran um Really like her stuff, Kelly Moran. Kelly Moran, yeah. But all, all of these all of these also hint that there is a, you know, the real Boris Saicho actually likes likes the 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 weird, quiet, subtly uh, subtle stuff. As I said earlier, I, I you know I'm having fun with all of these things. I love like big water horns and strings and and loud stuff. But then um, I absolutely love the, the very moody, sophisticated, sophisticated artsy uh-huh. stuff uh-huh. is what I listen to to calm down and also what I, what I make to calm down.
0: So that's so cool, Boris. Thanks for these insights into the real oh, Boris welcome. Seichow. <laughs> only,
1: on, only on the U-Gems
0: podcast. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks so much for taking the time. Um, I guess you hinted at it earlier um, that we can probably expect some more Symphonic Elements titles coming in the future.
1: There's more where this came from.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, I think that's an awesome closing sentence. So right. thanks, Boris. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you, Wolfi. Merry, uh, Merry Xmas, happy holidays. Merry Xmas, happy holidays. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Take care. <music>
0: That was my interview with Boris Zalchow, the musical director of Symphonic Element Strings. Or as Boris says, Strings. If you liked what you heard, go check out Strings on our homepage. As with all UGM instruments, there is a fully functional third day trial for you to try it out. We hope you enjoy it as much as we do. Everything must come to an end thanks for tuning in if you enjoyed this podcast make sure you hit subscribe so you get notified when new episodes become available my name is wolfram and i say goodbye to the groovy beats of the next virtual drummer title that will be announced in a few days